In 2024, the Triathlon Hour is brought to you by The Feed. Thefeed.com is a website that has all of the world's best training and race day nutritional products in one place. The Feed's goal is to help you experiment with and ultimately find what nutritional products work best for you to get the most out of your performance in training and racing. They have almost 200 brands in stock, so you can buy as much from one brand as you want or as little as one gel from a brand. And I really do think that's the big benefit, is you can try one thing from every brand and that way you'll find exactly what it is that you love and works for you. And having it all at one place at thefeed.com makes it convenient to do so. There's no more having to go to multiple websites and pay for shipping on them all and wait for them to come on different days or drive around to multiple shops. You can just get everything you need at thefeed.com and have it all shipped to your front door together so it arrives at the same time. Aiden Wilde is one of the big favourites for the Olympics this year. He's probably the favourite for the Ironman 70.3 World Champs and we can probably pencil him in to go after a couple of PTO wins as well. 2024 is looking like it could be a big year for Hayden, so we've got him on at the very start of the year to chat about it all. Hayden, should we start with the PTO, Ironman 70.3 World Champs or the Olympics? Uh, the 2025 Ironman World Champs might as well start with it. Can you pencil it in? Um, I was thinking about it, but it's in Nice, so I might just wait for 26. So you wouldn't go if it wasn't at Kona? Well, of course, you might as well do Kona first. You might as well just go and saturate yourself on the, the pavement of the, the fields, or the lava fields, and uh, call it a day. So what would you do? Would you do, In 2025, let's say hypothetically you, you win the Olympics this year, or even if you don't, would 2025 you just dedicate it to the PTO? Um, I'm... I'm yeah, I'm thinking about it. Like, um, like yeah, like it's 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 a hard one because I I I do like short course, but I really do like the PTO um distance as well. As like I don't know, I like the concept of non drafting, and I think that's where my niche is at the end of the day. Um, especially being like a a little bit of a, you know, I'm not I'm not like an Olympic swimmer. Like you have to be in the ITU and uh, to be in the front group, and then. Um, yeah, with the ride, I kind of just like like being on the front anyway on the the short course stuff. So I just feel like it just be a lot more suited for me. So I think I think for sure, like I'm looking at doing like depending how the Olympics goes, like like a full a full season of PTO, and then like dabble it in with a bit of Super League just to kind of keep that like that spring spring in the step. Okay, so we'll start with long course, seeing as you've uh, you've taken us there, 2024. You've got the Olympics in the middle of the year. How do you see your long course like year playing out? Because a lot of people have, have already locked you in for the 70.3 World Championships, but how will the schedule actually look for you? Um, it's an interesting one, actually, because I haven't, I haven't overlooked my schedule really past, uh, I guess, the Olympics, but I, I ideally want to obviously get like a good training block in on the TT bike, but also probably try and get like um a, like a one or two seventy point threes or at least a, like a PTO in before uh, the world champs in Topo because um it would just be nice to kind of get like a gauge of where you're at at a seventy point three um, at that point of time and obviously coming off like the Olympics you're 
probably at the you know the top of your form and uh it'll just be kind of like hopefully designing something that can fit in nicely so whether it be like um like a challenge race or potentially going back to noosa and racing noosa uh just to kind of rev the engine up um in that kind of that 40 to to 90k kind of area on the tt bike because i guess when you come off the olympics you don't really know what sort of shape you're going to be in post olympics because you kind of get that whole like post olympic blue and it's a bit of sometimes it's a bit of a disaster and sometimes it's sometimes you kind of ride the wave like christian did and back in 2021 so so the olympics are july 30th so you won't be done with that cycle until august but will you do any long course before then Nah, like ideally not because well yeah ideally not just because i don't know it's not really a focus for me at the moment and the, the reason why I, I raced Melbourne so late in the game um, was to to qualify early and kind of tick that box. Like I've I've like I'm getting a bit of envy because I know my girlfriend she's racing Tasmania uh, in a couple of weeks time, so I'm like, oh, that'd be cool to race, but better better not because I saw an old old, old Cammy and he was like, uh, I said, oh, I might come race. He's like, no, you're not, you're not allowed. And I'm like, oh, surely. He was like, no, because I need to get at least a win for the, for the year. I'm like, oh, fair enough. And then. Um, then there's the local Tauranga half, which is like right on my doorstep. And, um, you know, Kyle Smith is, is meant to be racing and Brady Curry, Javier Gomez. And, um, I think Chelsea Sadara is coming up with a bit of a, bit of a snag as well. So, um, it's actually gonna be a pretty decent race on the backyard, uh, which is a bit of a shame, but I'll just be there having a bit of a watch, unfortunately. But, um, there's definitely been some races that I'm just like, oh, I'll be, be pretty keen to, to go and race that. Are you going to come over to Tasmania with your partner? Um, well, I would love to, but unfortunately, I've actually got my one of my best mate's weddings to attend to, and he booked me in about a year ago, so um, I couldn't really dog the boys and uh, and and miss out on the old on the old wedding. So yeah, the missus let me off for uh for, for the for the old pit duties uh, this time around. So uh, maybe next time because I've I've been to Tassie a couple times. We've raced the the uh, World Triathlon. Um, Oceanian Championships there a few times in old Devonport, um, and I was actually thinking about going over there for a for a training camp with Cam. But um, it's crazy just how time flies on the side, and um, yeah, my calendar is getting pretty full, and it's uh, it'll just be really hard to get over there. And Abu Dhabi is like nearly in eight weeks, like the first World Series, so it's it's coming around pretty quick, eh? Yeah, flat about that because I'm going to be there for Hobart seventy point three, so that would have been fun. But anyway, um... oh, there you go, you can meet the missus. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'll go chat to her. Um, we we were in Melbourne together, but we didn't actually catch up when you uh, won the Ironman seventy point three for what I'm calling your long course debut. Like I know you raced one a few years ago, but didn't count then. That wasn't the Hayden Wild we know today. This was the debut <laughs> for the new Hayden Wild, who, you, mate, you looked completely dominant. And uh, after watching that race, everyone thought. Phew. He's going to be hard to beat at 70.3 Worlds uh, next year. Can you talk to me about that race at Melbourne, how it actually played out from you? Was it that easy? Um, was it easier than you expected? Yeah, no, I actually really loved it. Uh, it was real good fun, like, knowing knowing the power I pushed in, uh, in Noosa was kind of like a really – it was actually really nice to know what I could push in Noosa. I know it's uh, 50K shorter, but if the – you know – the numbers that I pushed there, I was like, well, if I push like 30 watts less, you know, it should be sweet. Um, and that's kind of kind of how it went. I like went to the gameplay. It was a bit of a shame that the, 
the course was postponed, uh, especially the swim, uh, was kind of, uh, yeah, I think halved, um, which was a bit of a shame because uh, the conditions weren't too bad, um, especially for pros. Uh, we could have done like a, a small, like two lap, 800 meter course um, where like we could do one lap. And then as soon as we get onto our, uh, our second lap, you know, you can send the age groupers off. So in reality, it doesn't stop uh, the racing at all. So that was a bit of a shame. But anywho, I uh, got onto the bike and it was kind of like an unknown thing because as you said, like I kind of, in some ways, I kind of counted this one as a my debut. Um, I know I raced in 2019 in Topor, but I, that was like, that I kind of raced that race. And the coach was like, oh, you know, do you want to just do a training ride, uh, a training race? You know, you've, um, you're three weeks out of, out of rest and recovery. Um, might as well just go and see where the body is. And um, it was right on the doorsteps. So I was like, oh, you know, be rude not to. And then also, was, it was the opportunity, like, it was not really, there was no one turning up that year because a lot of the big guys were racing um, the Ironman. So it was a great opportunity to get, like, um, the you know, the Topor uh, qualification uh, back in, in 2020 when it was meant to be. Uh, so, yeah, it was actually... Yeah, I was definitely like in that race of like the unknown. You know, we looked at the platform of the race, and in some ways, it was a uh, yeah, it, like it wouldn't. Have, I don't think it would have suited. It didn't really suit me. I, well, I thought it wasn't going to suit me just because it was it was a flatter course, and you know, it, it really suited a guy that's going to be super aero and and all that. And you know, I was only out of the aero tunnel um, two weeks uh, or three weeks ago before the race, so. Uh, I didn't know how long I could hold the position that that we got um, when I was working together with the, with the team in Germany, and yeah, I was just kind of got on there and got out of the water and and started just going at my own pace and kind of felt yeah felt really good. Like just my my goal was to make the first twenty k a little bit harder, so go out ten watts harder than I would want to be uh, in the zone that I want to be. And uh, but at the kind of turnaround, so the 70.3 Melbourne course, you do two laps of an out and back. So 20K out, 20K back, and you do that twice. Um, and yeah, I saw that I had like a good 90 seconds uh, on the in the first 20K. Uh, and I was like, sweet. So I just got went into my kind of that zone that I really wanted to get into uh, for power-wise. And I was really happy that I actually negative splitted the the course, which was, which was really nice. I think I came out of the bars once, which was really cool. Because uh, that was just an unknown, you know, I've done the Collins Cup and, you know, you get to 80K. But then again, I couldn't really um, pitch in my performance off that race as well because I just came out of, came out of bed rest for like a week because I was super sick. Uh, so it was really hard to kind of know what would happen after kind of that 60K mark when you're, you know, past that Olympic distance sort of bike, you know, that one hour mark. So I was at that point in the unknown, just kind of had to see what happens. And then you yeah, go off the bike and, um, on the side, someone shouted out, you got the bike course record uh, with a 157 low, which was real cool. I was real stoked with that. And that was just kind of like portrayed a little bit of the success that um, the guys did with me, with the with the Canyon boys that have done with me all season and kind of just getting like a really good position and being my first 70.3 and going sub two was pretty cool. Uh, and then, yeah, got onto the run and, um, you know, I just wanted to go out at about 303, 305 pace. So that kind of, 65 66 because i said a couple of weeks before i think to you was I'd, I'd like to run a 65 in this course if i'm with anyone uh, but being five minutes up the road uh it wasn't yeah it wasn't kind of necessary so got told i was about eight minutes up and at, at that point there's kind of nothing to prove and um personally i just wanted to see how the body would react against that 14k mark and um definitely i 
felt that I hadn't done that tempo work. Like it's, you know, you can run off the bike and do a, a sub 29 minute, you know, um, and that's what we were doing in the short course side. But um, to be in that like 303, 305 pace and, and feeling like a little bit uncomfortable because you're just not used to running that pace. Like, and, and it sounds real stupid, but I'm not used to running that slow. Um, so it was really hard to kind of hold back and it just kind of, um, the rhythm that your body is normally used to running sub thirties, it just wasn't in that rhythm. So I got to 14 K and the hammy started to get a little bit tight and it was actually quite nice that I was able to back off. So it kind of gave me a bit of peace of mind to know what sort of work I have to do next year, um, to, to kind of, you know, carry on that pace. And I really believe that I feel like I can, uh, continue that pace as I didn't feel too much under pressure, um, holding that pace, but also, uh, I had the. I guess, confidence coming off the bike as well, feeling that I could have actually pushed a little bit harder too. So having all these like little um, kind of, I guess, little wins inside the head was was really positive uh, heading into next year. And then like also heading into uh, my future of, of kind of that middle distance, long distance stuff is there's so many short course athletes that really struggle to, to transfer and it takes them a, a long time. So I was really stoked that there was some sort of, um, um, good kind of movement into that middle distance, long distance kind of tempo work. And I was, I was kind of really, really stoked of how it kind of panned out and yeah, like got the win with a, with a, with a good eight minutes and some solid dudes there from the Oceanian. So I was, I was real stoked to kind of come away and kind of have, yeah, not, not many, not too many mistakes and really happy, like getting those fluids on board and getting the nutrition on board is there as a whole new thing for me as well as how much nutrition I should have. And, and all that sort of stuff. So that was all very new to me. And also the 6 a.m., 5 a.m. wake-ups as well was also new because we're normally racing at a gentleman's hour at, at 2, 2 p.m. or something like that. So no, it, was re- it was a really cool experience. And I, I kind of can't wait until I until I head into that next kind of phase of my career, uh, whether it's after Paris or whether it's after to, after LA in, in 28. So, yeah, no, I, was, I was really happy with how everything went. So everyone's talking about you as the favorite now, I would say, for the 70.3 World Championships in December this year. How do you see that? Do you see yourself as the favorite? Do you do you expect yourself to go there and win it? It's it's I know it's super hard to tell because like I guess um you know you had the podcast and Martin, you know, he was he was kind of in the same sort of box like we we've both you know, we we've shown that we can can race really well over the the middle distance, but I feel that even like both of us, we just haven't, we haven't been in a, like a, a world championships, uh, I guess, field, you know, we haven't had Christian, we haven't had Alistair, we haven't had Aaron, we haven't had all these, all these guys that could actually manipulate the race and, and do key things in the race that could change the whole dynamics of it completely. So, you know, I was just super lucky that I, I had a good swim out there. I was at, had a 20 second lead and I could, um, I guess, go at my own pace where, you know, that can completely change if you have like Martin Aaron doing a, a hard effort off the front of the water. That means that I have to push a little bit harder on the bike to get back into the group. So I guess there's so many variables heading into uh, into Topo or even other other races like the PTO. But like, you, I think you just got to build confidence in that sort of racing and just believe that you can just put a little bit, you know, working efforts in, believe that you can put um, the work into kind of, um, stay with the power with these guys because I'd be really, I'm just kind of really excited just to see what the the level is of half and, and long because, you know, you can't 
as, as a short course athlete, you know, we say we're the, the peak of our, of our sport and we're the fastest around, but I, I feel like you can't really say that until you've actually put your, um, your hat inside the, the ring and actually compete against guys like Daniel and, and all that, because like, you know, you can, you can talk as much and you can say you've done this and you've done that, but you know, as soon as, as soon as you get in, in, in the ring, it's, it's a completely different game, you know, like, short course is all about drafting and there's so many guys that don't work on the bike and you know they get into a half and you know they're uh they're a little bit weaker on the bike at the end of the day they could be three or four minutes behind and then they've got to try and bang out a, a half marathon to try and compete so yeah it's, it's an interesting one for sure and you know i was i was in bahrain watching the 70.3 and how the dynamics went um i actually did the bike leg and i was actually lucky enough to to see the boys riding um in that sector um, for about, I don't know, for about three K I saw the boys riding, which was real cool live. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, I, I could definitely see Martin and, and Alistair were, were very frustrated with that sort the, that the, with the race going down, but uh, it was, it was interesting. And I just love to, to race those sort of guys as, you know, that's the peak of the, that's the peak of the sport. And, and then at least you, when you race those guys, you can kind of have a gauge and you kind of know what you need to do to, to be competitive and, and, sh- and kind of that kind of middle distance. And I know you haven't raced these guys over long course. You've, you've raced most of the guys over short course who we're talking about for the 70.3 Worlds next year. And you brought up the Martin Van Reel podcast because he's probably, along with you, the two short course guys who are looked at as, as the ones who could step up in 2024 and make an instant impact, um, probably even being talked about as the favourites to win the races that you'll be on the start line for. With that being said... Do you look at Martin Van Riel as your biggest competition for the 70.3 Worlds at the end of the year? Or do you look at Christian and Gustav and Magnus Ditliv and Jason West and Sam Laidlow and Sam Long? Who do you see as the, like, who are you looking at as like, I've got to be able to beat them? Yeah, honestly, I think Martin is going to be one of the biggest threats because he doesn't, I think in middle distance, he just doesn't have a weakness. Like, you know, he as he um, commented on his podcast, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, like he's, um, he's top five at a world series swim. So of course he's going to be leading at a middle distance at races. Um, he's normally one of the guys that uh, pushing extremely hard. Like he was one of the main reasons why I didn't, wasn't able to bridge the gap by myself to that front pack and Potter Vedra because he was just absolutely drilling himself. And, yeah, like you got to be something special to to run under 29 minutes off a off a really hard bike, and you know he's still a guy that can run around 29 minutes mid, um, even low um, at the at the peak of his career. So I know he can translate that extremely well into middle distance. And you know my girlfriend, um, they they've lived um, in the same village for you know, since they were super young and they were coached by the same guy. And um, Hunter's always said, like, he would be extremely good uh, at that kind of that long course and that middle distance. So, yeah, he just doesn't have a weakness. So if he's on, like, he's going to be extremely hard to beat. And I think he is a little bit more of a threat than uh, I think anyone else on that on the day, uh, just because, like, you know, he's got to have a good swim. You know, he's got to have a good bike. And then he can kind of back it up with a, with a sub-110 run as well. So you've got to be more or less within... Um, you know, if you're a if you're a sub one eight runner, um, especially in Topol, like you you've you've got to be at least a minute um within him to 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 be competitive, and you have to run a one oh eight to to beat him. So it's it's going to be interesting. I think he's going to be like play a huge part um at, at Worlds, but also just in PTR races in general. 
And for the 70.3 Worlds, if Christian and Gustav both race, how do you look at their part to play in the race, uh, particularly when it comes to you? Like, do you, would you be worried about getting off the bike with either of them? Are you trying to get away from either of them on the bike? Or are you just thinking, I can beat them wherever it goes? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, eh? Because, like, in some ways, like, they could, I could favor having them in the race as well, because, in some, you know, if Christian has a, has a decent swim, we would normally come out with each other. Um, Gustav, uh, if it, if we if we see the Gustav of of a few years ago, you know he's going to be close to us in the water as well, and then and then ride extremely well back up to us and and run extremely strong as well. Um, but it's 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 hard to know because I know I can beat Christian over a, over an Olympic distance and, and a sprint distance at the present time, and also Gustav as well. But at the, at the same on the same coin, like. 10k to 21k is extremely different you know it's, it's double that so you know that the, the met the metabolic system is completely different and hopefully i can transfer that and 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 run extremely solid like i would over 10k and i don't i don't think the training is extremely different um from 10,000 meter running to uh to half marathon running so it's just kind of being smart to, to figure out what makes me tick over over that 21k and um yeah like as i said like it's going to be extremely hard you i think you have to be you have to be within reach of the swim with martin and aaron because there's going to be a decent field up front you know you'll have like you know if Laidlow turns up and you have martin you have aaron and you have um, a few other guys that are front pack swimmers you know you it's going to be really fast up the front so you kind of have to get there or else you, you're going to miss the train or you're going to use a lot of energy um, to make up time to at least try and get close to the train. So that's going to be super interesting. And like, I'm, I'm kind of excited to, to race Gustav and, and Christian in the, in the half distance. Like I was actually put up against Ben Canute and um, Christian back at Collins cup, but I definitely wasn't where I was um, now when I wasn't a hundred percent. So I'd love to race Christian when I'm full noise and a hundred percent at this distance is I think it'd be like pretty interesting. And, you know, like that guy's just a warrior. Like he just he just won't stop and <laughs> until he completely like passes out. So, you know, you 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 kind of have to really dig down to the well to to drop that guy. Something most of you probably don't know is that I coach a few triathletes on on the side of doing this podcast. And recently, I took on a couple of new athletes. One of those athletes have been saying to me they felt ridiculously tired every morning and they really struggled with getting up for their morning sessions. And when they did do them, they just didn't enjoy them or really want to be there. So we put a whoop strap on them for one week. We gathered some data and we noticed that their sleep score was really, really bad. It was in the 30% range and they were only getting about 6 to 6.5 hours sleep on average per night. I recommended to the athlete that they just try taking pillar performances, triple magnesium every night before bed for two weeks to see if it made a difference or not. And that we'd revisit the data once they'd done that. And sure enough, five days in, they messaged me and they were like, oh, I'm already sleeping way better. I'm keen to see the data after two weeks. And so when we got to that two-week mark, their sleep score was about 85%. And the biggest thing, in my opinion, is they were now averaging 8.5 to 9 hours sleep per night, which is just a crazy difference. And the only thing they changed was taking pillar performances through magnesium 30 minutes before bed every night. They didn't miss a single night. And I've been saying that for over a year uh, here, every single week. But taking pillar performance of true magnesium, in my opinion, 30 minutes before bed every night really does help everyone. So if you want to try it for yourself, head over to Pillar Performance's website or get it on the feed.com. Use the discount code TTH15 for 15% off your order. 
the famous race in 2018 where Jan Frodeno won the 70.3 World Championships running 106.30. Do you foresee yourself running faster than that at the 70.3 Worlds this year? Do you think you'll have to run around that to win it or do you think it won't quite be that fast? I don't think it'll be quite that fast. Like, I, um, you know, I was born in Topo and I know what the course is like. I've run on the course before and it's definitely not going to be a fast run. Like, I think it's the effort will be a, you know, a 65, a 66 run will have to win it in effort, but that effort will probably translate to like um, a high 60, um, 60 or 66. So I think would be a high 66 in Topo. It's just not a fast course, unfortunately, because, you know, you start at, you start at like a little top section and then you run downhill and then you go up um, like a little climb and you go down and you go around and you've kind of, you've got this like little grindy hill to climb back up. So and 99% of the time, it's either like a sidewind the whole way or a headwind. Um, and it's normally a pretty brutal sidewind because it just trickles off the off the lake. So it, it's not going to be a fast, right? Uh, the fast, like, it's, of course, it's going to be a fast run, but it, it's not going to be as fast as you would imagine it to be because I just the dynamics of the course and the bike's just heavy on the legs with the with the heavy chip as well. And there's all these other variables of the the race conditions that is just going to make it extremely hard to to run a quick time. But yeah, I think it's going to take the effort of a 65. But it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you if the winner's going to be like a, a 68 high guy. And let's shift to the PTO now. Uh, we're, we're talking about the PTO races like you can just give them a call and say, hey, yep, I'm ready to race. Uh, I assume it probably is that easy. But we don't know who has contracts and who doesn't yet. Can you give us any updates on whether you've had any conversations with the PTO for 2024 or not? Yeah, so I've actually had some conversations with the PTO, which is really cool. Uh, well, I wasn't in the conversation as I was, I think I was in Bahrain, uh, but Sam um, had a Zoom call with my manager, Sai. So I actually need to talk to Sai to see where that conversation came. But um, I know I'm super keen, which is really cool. Um, and yeah, like hopefully, because um, you know you have to race a certain amount of races. I actually, I, I'm one of the also one of other people that are quite oblivious of what's happening with with the PCO and what the races are and where they're meant to be. So I'm as far away out of the circle as possible. I think I'm. I don't even have a ranking score at the moment because I've only raced like two races in, in a PTO race. So um, it'll be interesting to see how many races there are after Paris, as I don't think I'll race any PTOs before Paris. Um, I don't think my coach and my team will allow me uh, as much as I want to. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what sort of races there are, but I'll also have to juggle that with whether I'm going to compete for a World Series title after Paris if I have enough points to even compete. Uh, if I don't have enough points to compete, I definitely will be looking at um, some PTO races. So it all kind of depends how the first part of the season goes. But, um, you know, if, if the PTO, um, you know, which we've had conversations, which is really cool, uh, hopefully we can kind of get something in, in, in writing and, you know, just be one of the one of the PTO guys. Is, you know, I really enjoyed my time in, in Collins Cup and, I know that it's a little bit different racing, but you kind of get that atmosphere. It's like a, a pretty well-oiled machine and everyone really enjoys it. And hopefully I can get on, get on board the bandwagon and enjoy some some racing with like the best short course, but long course athletes. Because I think it's, you know, I think everyone's like a pretty, pretty solid character. You know, I've known Aaron, Aaron Roy for quite some time. And I've met Daniel once, I think, which was at the Collins Cup. So it'd be really nice to actually kind of, um, meet these guys properly and, and get to know them um, a little bit better. 
So with the PTO, obviously, let's say there's going to be between eight and 10 races, um, which Aaron Royals told us on the podcast here um, as self-appointed president of the athlete board for the PTO. Let's say there's three, four, five. Let's just split it up the middle. So there might be like four left um, from when you're ready to race, like three to five left by the time you're ready to race in in probably like mid-August, hey. Do you think that considering you're gonna you're definitely gonna race the seventy point three worlds uh, in December and you're definitely racing the Olympics in August as well as a handful of of WTCS races beforehand? Do you think it's more likely that we just see you do one PTO race, or do you think there's a chance if there was three to four that that you would do all of the the PTO races that are remaining when you're ready? Hey, I tell you what, after after Paris, it's 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 everyone's pickings, baby. Like. Um... I think I'm just going to like, once Paris goes, I'm just going to be an absolute loose cannon and just like race until I die. Um, especially after, after that, uh, I don't know. I just love racing and I'm not racing too many times before Paris. So I have to get my uh, race quota up at the end of the year. So if there's world series races, I'll race those. If there's PTO races, um, try and jump in as many as I can, if it works well. And uh, I'd love to go to the X chair worlds as well. And, and dabble back in that, like I did in uh, post Tokyo. I raced Tokyo, then it went up to back to Xterra, which was good fun. Um, and gonna, you know, jump some Super League in there as well. So <laughs> it's, it's gonna be a pretty uh, savage calendar. It could be potentially like fourteen races in like fourteen <laughs> weeks, but I'm pretty game for it. I don't know how well I'll go, but <laughs> you you could be a zombie by the time seventy point three worlds oh, come come about in December. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be quite fun though. Yeah, I'll be pretty broken, but it'll be fun to watch. Well, it was like it was like the classic Torino Bizzoni. Like the man would like race six races in a row, but they'd just be in like like four, you know, three, four different continents, and he would just go rogue for like like six weeks of racing, whether it was a a half or a, a full, and then he would uh, take like six weeks off and then get back into it. And I was like, yeah. That guy, that guy hustles. <laughs> yeah, New Zealanders built different. Um, you said your body will be broke or could potentially be broken, but I don't think your bank account will be if you're going to race all those PTO races, the Olympics, the WTCS races, Xterra Worlds, 70.3 Worlds. This could be a, a big financial year. With, with that, if you were to get a contract with the PTO, given that like you obviously can't race all eight to 10 races, it's not possible. So they can't really sign you up for a contract for all of them. And you can't guarantee them. Like you can't guarantee them, hey, I'll definitely race five races or I'll definitely race four races because you just don't know. So with those discussions, how are you having with the PTO? How are you, how are you talking about your contract? Is it just like uh, if you like every race you race will pay you this much, sign the contract. So it doesn't matter if you don't race one, and if you race one, you get this much. If you race two, you get that like that again. Is is that how it goes? Oh, I actually, that's a good question. I actually have no clue how that's going to work because, yeah, like I think Sam had a had a yarn with with my manager Sai, um, and it'd be interesting to see what that went with because, like, yeah, I do agree. Like, uh, you know, when it first came out, you got to race the the eight races which personally for me is going to be impossible especially at the start of the year um so i would say like that'd probably give me some sort of contract where i'd have to race like three races at the end of the year and i'd probably have to like um yeah i'd probably have to properly like um invest in those uh, races which is fair enough it's exactly like super league you know like yeah they you sign up and when you sign up you've got to race all four races whether 
Um, the only way you can kind of get out of them is if you fall sick with COVID or, or you're injured. So, um, yeah, it would be, in, it would be interesting. Like I'm really excited to get on a, a three-way call with Sam and just like talk a bit of, bit of race knowledge and, and, and see what's actually coming up in the PTO. Cause you know, it's really exciting for a lot of athletes, the, the new format and, um, yeah, I just hope they kind of uh, kind of sticks sticks in, and um, you know what I've heard is everyone really enjoys it, and it, and it's good good racing and competition, and it, it's a it's a pleasant distance, you know, like the swim we're very used to as as short course athletes, and and I was you know when I was racing in Melbourne, it was um, the same thing where like you got to eighty k and you're like oh I could probably stop and and chill out um, and and get off the bike now, so it's quite nice with the PTL where you finish there and. But 18k is quite nice too, where I think that's like the the spot where you kind of start really tickling um, the legs. So it, it's a really nice distance, and I and I think it it's a little bit more engaging than than other races around the world. I'm going to come straight back to this the the distance conversation, but just one more on the contracts, or two more on the contracts. Do you know if the PTO, like, given that you're in conversations with them? Are you going to get one of their main contracts or are you going to get one of their four wild card contracts? Or is this something like on the side of that altogether? It's like, hey, if you can race, we'd love to chat to you. But it's not one of the, you know, guaranteed contracts at the start of the year. Yeah, I'd say it would probably be one of the wild card contracts, I would probably say. Um, like as I said, I'm I'm quite oblivious to what they discuss, but like, yeah, as as you as you said, you know, I don't think it'd be one of the full time contracts as you'd have to commit to all eight. So I wouldn't be surprised if they would maybe like did what they did did for me um in the Collins Cup where they just gave me an invite um to race uh, for a wild card. So I'd probably say it'd be a, a potentially just like a wild card to a few races and if I can get three or four PTO races in, then I get my ranking. And then um, from there, you could probably get offered a contract um, if you if you race well enough and you've got enough points. And if they came to you and said, like, in that conversation with, you, with your manager, who David Beckham's ex-manager, by the way, David Beckham and Hayden Wild, um, and, and Sam Renouf, if you guys were in a meeting and he said, hey, this is the contract, this is what we pay everyone per race, this is what you get, would you go, okay, cool, sign that? Or would you go, nah, actually, if you guys are going to have me race this year, you're actually going to have to pay me a little bit more? Um, it's it's hard because, like, I guess coming from short course, like, you don't have you don't have contracts and it's a whole different ball game for us where in PTO, like, I don't know, like, I feel like I, I kind of just want to make my own name in it in some way. I don't want to go in there and be all, like, big booted and say, oh, like, you've got to give me the biggest contract um, that, that – PTO's ever written because I'm a big name in, in short course where I don't think that works. I kind of want to make my own, I guess, yeah, funnel into the the PTO and you know start from scratch and hopefully you know get the good results because you know I still haven't raced the PTO race, so I'd love to see what the racing's all about first and then and then go from there. But I'm pretty sure Sai will look after me and, and I think Sam's super keen to to get me on board some of the racing. So kind of looking forward to to seeing how that the conversations go and hopefully, yeah, I get to race some pretty sick PTO races. Respect, mate. Um, back to the distances. Do you think that the PTO distance suits you more or less than the 70.3 distance? And then do you think that both of them suit you more or less than short course racing? Um, I think if I have to look at the like between 
like Iron Man, well, because I've never done one, so I can't comment. Um, or half. I think like I, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit ADHD, so the concentration kind of fluffs out a little bit. So I think the the PCO I would actually enjoy a little bit more because the ride's a little bit shorter. And I think and when I did Collins Cup and I was all out there by myself and I was kind of losing focus a bit. Uh, it'd be nice to, yeah, I think PTO will suit me well as I feel like I can ha- hold a pretty high power for that amount of time. And then the run, I feel like I can run pretty rapid over 18K. Um, it's a really like niche distance. Like I think you, if you train for Olympic distance, you can kind of train for that 18K. Uh, you can kind of wing a little bit because it's, you don't have to go through another 3K of hurt, like a, like a half where, and then the swim's exactly the same. So I think, if my swim was a little better than uh, Olympic distance, um, I think it would be very similar to the, I guess, the PTO racing. But I guess, yeah, I also haven't really done too many PTO races, so it kind of depends. Um, I'd like to to see, but yeah, as I said, like I feel like I can hold like a pretty decent power and hopefully be out the in the front pack with the with the with the top guys in in, in the PTO racing. But yeah, it's, I guess it's like it's all so different, hey. Like, like they're more or less like half an hour to an hour different difference between all three disciplines but yeah it's kind of it's a nice distance but it'd be interesting to see how i go and and in those sort of distances hey yeah it will and with short course i think i sort of look at you and i still think of your strength as the run like i see you as probably the second best runner in the in the, in the short course racing I think a lot of people see your bike as your strength. Like obviously everyone sees your swim as your weakness and then one of the best cyclists, one of the best runners. But where do you see your strength? Do you see yourself as a stronger cyclist or runner? And when it comes to long course as well, like say PTO distance, do you think your strength will be your run or your bike? Yeah, like I think since I just like always want to race hard, like I always probably ride too hard. And like I'm always on the front of the group, so it makes it look like I'm, you know, one of the my strength as a rider is exactly as you said. But I feel like if I was a little bit more tactical, but like at the end of the day, like if I don't take charge of the pace on the chase group, uh, and for Christians, if a Christian's not there helping me, or or Gustav is not there helping, there's we don't have a lot of guys, so I kind of have to to take up that that mantle to to really push that that second group to to bridge or we're just going to get absolutely destroyed like someone has to take the pace and once you take that pace other people join in and then we start getting a good rhythm but you know you need yeah, I guess you need a catalyst to kind of start moving that that group and I kind of see myself as normally on, on most days in a world series as a catalyst in the front and the in the chase pack to really to bridge that gap and I probably sacrifice a little bit of I guess um, run legs inside that that forty k kind of effort into to chasing the front group to then you know, sacrifice a little bit onto the run. So it, it's hard to know because I've never like a voice inside like except for Yokohama last year. Um, except for Yokohama last year, I was um, in the front group and I still rode relatively hard, but not too hard. And like yeah, I at seven and a half k, I nearly had a minute lead. Uh, and a minute gap on everyone else, and then I was uh, had the privilege to, to you know take it easy for two and a half k at the end of the race because I know I had to back up a, a race against Alex in two weeks over the Olympic distance. So, like 
I personally see myself as my strength is the run and then the bike, but they're extremely close to each other. And then obviously the swim, but I'd love to get off a bike without pulling a lot of effort against like, you know, like an Alex or something, and then just run off the bike. And if we had the same sort of effort off the bike, I'd love to see how I'd compete against them. Cause I feel like I do put a little bit more oomph in the bike than, than my, I guess my other running competitors. Do you see your bike as being stronger over 40k on like a punchy crit style race on your road bike or do you think you're a better long course time trialist um like the power that i held in it was quite cool because the power that i held in noosa which is 40k tt to like a full send 40k on the like on the roadie were relatively like my tt was actually a lot higher because i know it's hard to yeah to see like it's a it's a road it's a road crit sort of race so there's a lot of explosive power so there's a lot of real high spikes um you know they said like a lot of analysis went into the tokyo uh race and they said that race uh, on data looked very similar to like a mountain bike world cup because there was just a lot of u-turns and a lot of explosive power so we've got to learn i guess how to like flush lactic where you know like a straightforward melbourne race is you've got to hold power and you've got to hold that power um in a, a in a conservative way where there's not a lot of spikes so like yeah in, in noosa i was pushing close to 400 watts to, to bridge the gap um of like matt hauser and henry Schumann and jamie riddle and those guys um and it felt quite comfortable doing that because i don't think there's a lot of 600 watt 800 900 watt spikes cons- consistently so I just, I, I think I just haven't done enough like TT work to actually say like oh, I feel like I'm a better middle distance cyclist than I would be in a in a short course um, cyclist because it's all about how well your body I guess um, can flush and recycle lactate. I talked to Cam Worth after the Ironman World Championships, so it was like a couple of hours after the race. And one of the first things we talked about wasn't really the, the Ironman World Championships. He started telling me a story about you because uh, obviously you live in Andorra and do a bit of training there. So does Cam Worth and so does, I believe, Josh Tarling, who's one of the best time trialists in, in world cycling. And he said that you guys might have gone for a ride together. I think I'm getting this story right. And he was surprised and impressed by how well you ride and, and sort of was was telling me that he thinks you could be one of the best uh, time trials in the sport. Do, do you, is that, is that true? Does, did that story happen? Yeah. So it was a, it was a funny one. So it was the first time I met Josh and Cam was like, Oh, this kid's like next level. Like when he had um, gone top three in the world champs. And this was actually two weeks before he had world, uh, the world champs in, in Glasgow. And um, he's like, yeah, another guy's, he's goes really good. And I was like, how old is he? He's, he's like, Oh, he's 18. I'm like, Holy crap! He's like, like he's built to brick shit. He's just a big roller, and he's this eighteen-year-old kid. And he turns up, and it's like, oh man! Like I'm, you know, twenty. I was twenty-five at the time, and um, <laughs> I just look like a child compared to when he was eighteen. Um, <laughs> and so we went on this ride called the Tri Nations. It's like a hundred and twenty k ride. And Cam was like, um, all right, what we do is uh, we bike down to to Spain, and then uh, we do like a two-hour TT effort. So I think he had to hold like I don't know. It was like, in, uh, it was just above Ironman pace. So I, I guess for him, that would be more or less around 300 to 330 watts. Um, and then Josh had these like 
ridiculous efforts. Like it was, he was dropping Cam, put a minute into Cam, but he had like two, three times 15 minutes. And I also had like uh, three times 20 minutes. So I would drop off, I would drop off Cam um, by like 20 meters and, and do my efforts and stuff. And this was pre before I even had my TT set up properly fitted. Um, so I was a little bit concerned about what was going to happen because I've, I've never been on the TT bike for this long, let alone done an effort in this old position that I had before I had the position I had in Melbourne. So I was a little bit, I don't know what's going to happen. And that was actually really good fun. Like the boys are ripping it. And, you know, even when I was doing my efforts off, off cam and I was like, I think it was like 320 watts, 20 meters behind cam. But when I would get back on cam, I'd still be pushing like high, high to uh, 200, you know, 280, whatever. Um, and this was, you know, going on for a good two and a half hours. And at this point, we're at about, I don't know, 600 meters of elevation. But then you go along Spain for a couple of hours and you pop up and you start going up to Font Rameau. Um, and then you pop out the back of Paso de Casa, which is about 2,400 meters. And there was a sector where, um, so I've still got the one by 12 setup with, um, with SRAM. And, um, but I converted it to like a, a gravel setup. So I've got like, when I do my TT stuff and I've got to do hills, I've got like my 54 or 52 on the front, what I had at the at the time, but I've got like a 1036 cassette at the back so I can actually climb the hills. And uh, at this time, I hadn't cut my chain properly um, to the to the correct size. So I, when, whenever I'd get onto the 36 tooth, the chain was way too small um, and I was having issues. And then, and so yeah, we did the we did the ride and it was it was great and I really enjoyed it and we got to the top of Pasla Custer and and uh, it's like two thousand four hundred meters I was pretty cooked the longest ride I've ever done uh, with the with, on the TT bike let alone it was nearly one of my biggest rides I've ever done I think it's one hundred and thirty k or something like that and uh, then I got home and then I uh, I realized that whole ride when I put the rock so at that time I actually put the wrong chain on because I normally have a longer chain which goes over the 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 52 54 to the 1036 but i had my other chain on which was too too short and uh what actually happened is when i changed up to the big cog that some i don't know somehow but um you know when you look at a pulley wheel system at the back um and then there's that little kind of carbon or there's that little protector at the bottom um the bottom part that kind of like i guess stops like the the crap going in it actually popped onto that and I was actually riding on the actual pulley wheel frame. And then, so I had like an extra, I, I was pushing like an extra 20 watts of, of like drag that whole ride. So I think Cam and I, I sent Cam this photo and he just started cracking up. I was like, oh man, how did this happen? Wow. So that was good fun. Yeah. From what Cam was saying, uh, by the end of the ride, Josh was struggling a little bit as well, and and you still weren't doing too bad. So I had to run off the bike that day too. I think I did. I was like, oh, I was still going to run thirty minutes of the bike. <laughs> that was a sore thirty minutes. With with this year and your plans to go into long course, how much training will you do with like Cam Worth and Josh Tarling and and anyone else that's in the long course world? Like I know Maxie Newman lives in Andorra as well. Will you will you be hitting those guys up and doing like one or two time trial rides a week with them, or do you sort of just stick with your short course crew? Um, I, I just don't really have too much of a crew. So the guys I actually ride with is, is Cam. And then Cam normally is, he's kind of, it's, it's kind of a cool position he has in like the Ineos team. He's kind of like in some ways, like the, 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 um, the caretaker. I, I look at himself because like he always takes the young athletes or like the new athletes that come into Ineos and, and they ride with him and then they kind of 
find out like how hard Cam trains. Um, and so, you know, you get guys like Josh and you get guys like G that come in and Garner and Tom Pidcock and all these guys that I get to, to ride with because I just ride with Cam and, and, it, and it's real good fun. And like, he just messaged me literally five minutes ago and said, missing you on the Sunday long runs, Oos. Um, what's your schedule for next year? When are you back in Angora? So, um, yeah, we normally do our long runs together and we normally do our rides together. He normally actually just sends me his his location on on the mountain and we normally somehow, um, you know, find a way to find each other on, on the climbs. And then, you know, he, he might be be doing like a five-hour ride with the boys and I'll just join in and do like two hours. So it, it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it, it's, 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 it's really nice um, to have guys like that and then at the pool. I kind of did my own thing with Hano with my with, uh, with my girlfriend, and then running. Normally have my mate Sam Tanner who will be up there. So he's a he's gone to Paris for the fifteen for the mile um, on the fifteen fifteen hundred meters at the Olympics. So yeah, he'll be going for the fifteen hundred. So yeah, I've got some wheels there as well. So I've got a pretty good team up there, and I just really enjoy it. And just reminds me of I guess like New Zealandish terrain and. Yeah, it's it's a nice place to call home at the moment. It's um, you know, got a nice apartment up there and yeah, it's 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 good living. It's great living up there. Because Cam um is trying to win the Ironman World Championships at Kona later on this year, and you'll have that little block after the Olympics where your shift will probably or your 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 sort of focus will shift towards long course. Do you see a world where you and him basically become full time training partners, you training with him to try and help him win Kona and him sort of introducing you to to the long course scene and 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 being like main training partners yeah at at one point through when we were in andorra actually i um offered my services to him when i finished up uh it was after world champs i offered my swim services i was like whenever you need to swim just give me a call and i'll more than happy to pace you so i paced him in i think one or two sessions uh but yeah we just get on we get on really well and i think like when i do switch over to that kind of 70.3 training i think i'd be doing a lot more longer rides so yeah it wouldn't surprise me if we kind of link up together and do a lot more of that that work together and on the bike but also doing some swimming together and you know just just doing what we normally do and doing our easier long runs together and you know andorra is an extremely small place you know i live in like the city center and um, Camden's lives five minutes up the road in Aldino. So it's kind of like, it's pretty easy to kind of connect and and uh, and train with each other. So it's, uh, I think that's what makes Andorra quite special. Just like it's so small, but everyone kind of knows each other. And yeah, everyone's like just super helpful and kind up there. And I just really enjoy, enjoy training up there. It's just kind of nice and peaceful and relaxed. Yeah. And you and Cam, just two of the absolute best blokes in, in triathlon. And oh, he always, it's so, it's, it's so funny because he always brings like little, because it's obviously, you know, like, like if headphones, so in Spain slash like Andorra, you're not allowed headphones. That's actually illegal. So he brings his, um he brings like UE boom and like, like cable tied to the front of his like TT rig and starts like, just turns on the radio and, and, and listen, listen to the music for like six hours. It's great. <laughs> Oh, I love Cam. And he, talk, he, he talks to and he talks too much crap as well, so it's always a good giggle. How good is it if you if you have like let's say you and Cam talk for an hour, or let's say it's six hours on the bike. What percentage of conversation do you reckon is you talking versus Cam talking? Yeah, it's Cam talks probably I'd say three hours and forty five minutes to my ninety minutes because I normally just give him 
I normally give him like que- like questions where there's long answers because um, <laughs> normally we're in a group of like four or five and he's like, you know, they're like professional cyclists. So, um, you know, we're pushing some some hefty watts. So I'm just kind of in, enjoying my time at the, at the back of the group here. And it's always good to give him a long a question that's always going to be a long answer. So I don't have to reply because I'm low-key he- uh, breathing a little bit heavy behind him. <laughs> When I did a podcast with Cam, I um, for my questions, so my questions on average were like 18 seconds and his <laughs> answers were on average 14 minutes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just crazy. It's uh, so Cam. And he's not just like that on podcasts where it's like normal because you ask a question and then you give a, a long answer. He's like that in day-to-day life. It's just the best. Oh, 100%. It, it definitely fills up like long rides for sure. Yeah. Uh, and he's just – no one has more stories than Cam Worth. Like you, you, oh, he'll call dude, you on the phone like, and he just has these stories. ridiculous. Yeah. And like <laughs> most people might call you with one story. He'll call you with like 10 stories. Yeah, 100%. He's, he's got he's, – that man has seen – that guy has been through life and he's just seen stuff. <laughs> if you've never used form goggles before, you're missing out. As soon as you put them on and wear them for your first swim session, you get out of the pool and you realize, I wish I'd been wearing these for the last few years. They give you live pace as you swim so you don't have to look at the clock or try and guess what pace you're swimming as you're doing your intervals. And you don't have to try and click start and stop on your watch every interval, which is something I really like. And something else I really like is that you can put workouts into the goggles. So before you go swimming, you just chuck the workout into them. And then when you jump in the pool, literally all you have to do is follow what your goggles say. They really make boring solo swims fun and motivating. So if you're someone like me who gets a little bit bored going to the pool by yourself, they're literally perfect for you. Head to Form's website and use the discount code HTT15 at checkout when you buy some for 15% off plus a year's free um, premium membership. And realize why every professional athlete you see seems to be wearing them. They really do make swim training more motivating, funner, and, and way more specific and easier if you are doing sessions and workouts. You'll love them. I guarantee it. If you're going to be taking your triathlon seriously in 2024, then now is the perfect time to get yourself a Win Republic tri-suit. Win Republic tri-suits have undergone extensive aerodynamic testing. Um, they're ridiculously comfy to swim and run in, and they've got all the practical little details covered, like extra pockets for your gels. It's not often you get a really aerodynamic and fast tri-suit that is comfy, but Win Republic have just nailed that. And I do think the other thing Win have always done, and they've probably always done better than everyone else is they make tri-suits that actually look good. And there is something about wearing a fun tri-suit that looks great, that it just makes you really excited to race in it. And now is the perfect time to get yourself one because you can test it out in your pre-season training before you get stuck into your serious races. I personally, again, think it's really important that you do some long and hard sessions in your tri-suit before you race in it. um, So that on race day, it's something you're completely used to. So definitely take advantage of the time you've got now in training before your, your next big race um, to get used to your tri-suit, use it on some long rides, use it on some sort of harder runs. Um, I think a lot of people don't run in their tri-suit enough, but now is, is literally the perfect time. Um, so head over to Win Republic's website, use the discount code TTH15, that gets you 15% off your tri-suit or anything you want to buy, um, so your whole order from Win Republic. So yeah, go and have a look. Um, there's lots of great designs and, and all of their kits uh, are super fast, super comfortable and really practical. So the times here, we have to talk about some short course. I've tried to avoid it, almost got Fantastic. through an hour without talking about it, even though you're probably the favourite or second favourite to win the Olympics. 
Uh, but we'll do it. Um, so Fantastic. so talk to me about the Olympics. It's you and Alex Yeah, You're the two big favourites. I'm big on Dorian Connex. Maybe you're not so big on him. Who, tell me about the race. Like, pretend I know nothing about the race because I know a lot of people don't actually watch or follow short course as closely as they do long course. So just, just t- tell me about it as if I've never watched the sport before. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be interesting because it can play out in two ways. Like, it can be, like, I guess the Olympics is um very re- now Renault is the breakaway normally stays away because it's a smaller field because you only get three athletes or two athletes or one athlete per country like normal world triathlon you can either have you know the French have like five guys on the start line or, or whatever but with the Olympics it's a maximum of three no 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 more um so that makes it super interesting so there is like top guys that actually don't make the Olympics that won't be racing, um, won't be racing there, who should be there. Uh, but they, yeah, just quota and, and and all that. So a lot of key players in like World Triathlon races aren't actually going to be in the the race. So I kind of call them like the, I guess, the, the hole fillers in some ways. So it kind of fills up the race and you can kind of use them to to get into different positions or use them in the water to, to hold the gaps and, and, the bun the bungee the elastic doesn't snap in the water, for example. So that leaves a little bit more, I guess, effort in the water to try and hold that front group. Um, because yeah, as I said, like there's normally 75 guys on a start line where the Olympics is more or less usually 55, um, something like that. Um, and then yeah, the race could go in two complete ways. It could be how people see it on a if they turn on a world triathlon series, everyone comes off the bike together and it's just gonna be a running race and um how it's gone for the last few years is Alex and I we normally just have like a, a good slog for a six or seven K and we have a few guys that hold on and then we're normally the last in the last couple of years it's been we normally the last ones left and um it's normally like a lot the last eight hundred minutes we start looking at each other and start thinking of tactics and have a sprint finish and bada bing bada boom kind of thing. Um and then <laughs> in other scenarios it's well if the front group uh, work as work as a team and they they get get sorted you know they might have 30 40 seconds off the bike and then that obviously makes alex and um myself our life a lot more difficult so we're going to run through the group and then and then obviously maintain and try and go through so that makes it a lot harder so yeah it could it could definitely go in two ways um if like you never know because like people sometimes have like really good training blocks and then they come out you know a year's a long time so they can come out and be um the unknown into the race and it's what kind of alex and i did coming to tokyo so and it's gonna be interesting coming into paris uh obviously you know alex and i've raced each other the last two years and it's been one two uh, quite often if the race goes the way it would normally go but then obviously there's other scenarios where the, the the French work extremely well together and you have guys like Martin and really pushing the pace up front and, and the French come through. So you've got guys like Leo, you've guys got Pierre, you've got your guys like um, Vasco and uh, from Portugal and, uh, and Dorian as well on his day. But, you know, there's other guys as well who are very kind of, I feel like a little bit unknown, like a guy like Morgan Pearson, like, you know, he's an NCAA uh, ex-runner. Um, he's got a very good prestige background. You know, I think through COVID, he did around like a 60 high half marathon or something through COVID. So maybe 62, I reckon. Yeah, 62, was it? Something like that. But that's, you I know, remember. It's rapid, like you know, that. something like that. You know, it's, 
you know, he's he's also a dark horse, but he can also actually swim on his day. He can swim and bike extremely well. So he's also like a decent threat that no one's actually talking about a lot. So oh, it's so hard. Like, you know, you can put all these kind of um, scenarios, who's going to win, who's going to lose and how the race is going to go. And um, it can be just completely different. So, you know, if, it, if, if as I said, like if it goes as it normally goes, it's going to, um, you know, Alex and I might have a good, um, you know, um, good fight, but then also, yeah, it goes the other way. Like it could be a, a three-man French podium, for example. So yeah, it's going to be like super interesting, and like I feel like I'm in a nice position because I feel like a lot of people are favouring Alex to win. So you know, he's got that kind of um, that pressure of being the red-hot favourite, but then also the French have extremely high pressure as well because it's a home Olympics. So I kind of feel like I'm in a great position of not having a lot of pressure, which is great. And, um, you know, I think you just got to turn up on the day and just, just race, race how you think you can race. And yeah, you just got to see what happens and hope you put the work and just believe, believe in the work. And yeah, like for me, it's going to be uh, extremely important to be well positioned in the water. And then hopefully my race goes well from there because, uh, yeah, it could definitely um, either make make or break the race for sure if I don't have a good swim. I hear you talking and I sort of think, well, the way you're looking at it is you can't really prepare tactically for what's going to happen. You've you've just got to show up the best swim, bike, runner you possibly can and then whatever happens, you can sort of play with it and, and like go with what happens on the day. But then I look back to like the 2016 Olympics, for example, where Alistair Brownlee and Jonathan Brownlee just very clearly had a plan. They they had strong swimmers that they trained with in the race. Um, and it was very obvious that they had sort of all got together and gone, let's just smash this swim. Let's smash this ride and, and get a breakaway together. And, and it worked. So is there a way you can sort of manipulate what happens in the race? Or is it just because your, your swim maybe isn't quite as strong as those guys that you have to just like swim, see where you're at and then reevaluate? Yeah, I think that's exactly what I have to do. Like swim, evaluate. Because I just, you know, I'm just not a lead out of the water sort of guy. Like best on on day, best day would be coming out in the front group, and then I could definitely work with Leo, and we could potentially and Martin have a good breakaway because I feel like with the three strongest cyclists, other than Christian and Gustav, and short course, and we could probably get away uh, with the three of us because we're normally the guys that actually drive the the course. So like if Leo and Martin and I get off the front and they're motivated, like that could be an extremely dangerous trio. Um, but that, that would be kind of like a match made in heaven sort of thing. Like I always, Leo and I get on extremely well. And we're always talking like, you know, one day when I become a good, a good enough summer, we could work together and go off the front and have a good time. Um, so hopefully that, that day that it happens, it will be, uh, be in Paris, but no, nah, it should be, um, nah, it would be, I think it's an exciting race. And like, I think the most unique part of the Olympic, the, the the swim part I guess is um that it will be 0.4 milliseconds of tidal so for example that means what we did was we swam um a four minute 400 meters um at Paris last year and then we came back and we did like 430 pace um coming home so that's also like a huge dynamic in the in the race as well do you see alex Yi as your main competition like can you can you look at it like everyone else does where it's like hayden and alex have 
are the best runners in the sport. They've established that. They've been having these battles between between themselves. Or do you just see it as there's way too many people, like all the names you've already mentioned, to like clearly define Alex as your main competition? Yeah, like I think the way the, the way the some races have, have gone and some races that haven't, um, like I know there's just so many people that can change the race dynamics like hugely. So like, yeah, for sure. Like if we all come off the bike together, Alex is definitely the guy that you got to watch. Um, but if we are a little bit behind and we don't have a motivated group and the front group's motivated, we're in trouble and we're going to be starting, we're going to start to look at guys like maybe Vasco and, and Dorian and, and all that sort of stuff. So it could yeah, absolutely, you know, flip upside down for us, but also it could be, how it normally goes and Alex being the hot favorite coming for the bike for sure. And are you going to do anything throughout the race if you can to make sure Alex isn't a factor? Like, is there a, is there a plan in the back of your head of maybe coming out of the water ahead of, of Alex and then really hammering the bike so that he's not around? Like, it's not so much about um, you getting in a breakaway as, as much as you making sure Alex can't be a part of the race? Yeah, I guess that, you know, it's it's, it's like, a pretty logical idea like i do you know if i have a great swim and i'm up the road like of course i'll definitely put the um put the power down and, and try and stay away um whether that's get a 30 second lead off the bike or, or a minute or two you know like you know if you're going to put a lot of effort and you need a lot of time um in front of them to to get away so like it could you know if that opportunity does come for sure, like you take those advantages, but you know, we, we swim very similar and we always normally come out of the water together. So it's going to be like a very slim chance that will, um, that will happen. But like, if it does, like, of course you, you take it by the, take it by the horns and, and try and get that up, use that opportunity. And you've only mentioned his name once, but just as a strong cyclist, the, the defending Olympic champion, Christian Blumenfeld, who, was in a battle um, until about the last 2K with yourself and Alex Yee for the for the gold, silver and bronze. He won it. Alex came second. You came third. Do you not see Christian as, as, as much of a threat to defend his title? It's it's hard because, like, he like, – you never write – you never write him off because he's an absolute weapon, you know? Like, but, like, just the way – I think just dabbling in Ironman and – um dabbling an iron man for quite some time last year and the year before and, and the half stuff he's i think he's lost a little bit of that that top end especially you know i think to win if everyone comes off the bike you've got to run a sub 28 um yeah oh, sorry like a 28 30 you've got to run you've got, you've got to run that and i just don't well you just never know like he could be refocusing and you know they're all about science so he's definitely going to be looking at trying to change his metabolic system and and become more of a but, you know, more of a um, short course specialist again. So, you know, I think when we saw Christian last year, like he was a little bit, uh, he just wasn't himself um, just because obviously, you know, he's just come from long distance. It's like telling a, a marathoner to come back and do the 5,000 meters on the track and 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 win it. You know, it's like it's telling Kipchoge to do a five and and beat these guys um, coming from, you know, like four years, like two years of marathoning. So I feel like he's got, he's probably got the capabilities of coming back and doing it but at like at the present time i think we'll just have to wait and see and see how he performs in yokohama or or abu dhabi and then i think the that that will kind of tell us what sort of form he's in and i would have said christian was a surprise winner like he was i think he was fifth favorite going into the race so that's like a relative surprise is there anyone like that going into the the games this year who maybe we're not 
thinking about as as someone like yourself or Alex or Pierre Lacour to like as one of the big favorites to win it that that we should be thinking about? I think like I, I touched on before. I think like like Morgan Pearson like he's like he's just uh, if he comes off the bike with everyone he, and he holds it together, you know, like he's a he's an NCAA cost country top five uh, finisher, um, you know, like he's he's rapid over the run. So like he's definitely someone I see coming off the bike and being a threat. He loves taking it out extremely hard on the bike on the sorry on the run and he can hold that as well. So it'd be interesting to see um, to see how he kind of how that form turns up at the start of the season. Do you see him as the third best runner apart from yourself and Alex? On his, I think on his day, he's probably on par with the both of us. Um, he's, he's got a track background. He's extremely fast. Uh, I think on his day, he can definitely be on par with us for sure. Um, yeah, I think he's like definitely a threat compared, you know, more of a threat if he, if he turns up on the day. What do you think he would be like with a long course shift? If he shifted... Um, with you and Martin Van Riel this year, do you think he would have uh, any chance of competing with you guys over PTO distance or at the 70.3 Worlds, for example? I know he's not going to race that, but if he did? Um, I think he would be like, uh, yeah, I think he'd be in the same sort of boat that like Jason West would be in. Like he'd be rapid on the the, the marathon side. I think he's probably, he's probably a better swimmer than Jason for sure. So I think he'd come out of the water in the front group and, I don't know how he rides on a time trial bike, um, but he could definitely be, um, he could definitely have some good opportunity in, in the kind of that middle distance for sure. And is there anyone else that could shift? Like we, we, we are looking at you and Martin as the two big ones who could make the shift that Gustav and Christian made, but is there anyone else that you think could make the shift as successfully as yourself? Um. I don't know. It's hard to know, like, because I guess, you know, the guys that I would look at would be, like, they have already made the shift as, you know, Christian and Gustav and all that. But I don't know, like, maybe, like, Vasco, he's a very good cyclist, swimmer and runner. So I think he would be quite good at the shift. Also, you know, he's already done it already. Like, Yella, he's obviously had some bad luck in the in his kind of start-up to his um, short, uh, his middle-distance career. But, you know, he's also, I think, a guy that could do the shift. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to like see in the next coming years to see who would be kind of yeah in that kind of position to really kind of shake things up in the in the in the uh, middle distance kind of area. How do you think Alex Yee would would transfer to middle distance or or even the full distance? Um, it's it's hard to know because I think like you know he's a small lad, um, but then also I've never seen him on a time trial bike because you know you can say he's a small lad, but. You know, you, you see guys like Vindegaard, you know, he's probably as small as Alex and he can ride a time trial bike like any man's business. So, um, yeah, like, I think he would probably, I don't know, like, he would he would obviously be there in the swim for sure, whether he'd be there on the bike. Maybe he might be a couple minutes behind on the on the, the real top, top guys, depending on the course. Um, and then obviously, like, he'd be just rapid at the run. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he ever did, like, a half or something to see how he would go. but. Yeah, that'd be it'd be a fascinating one, I think. Like it could go either way. And just tell me a little bit about your training. Like we don't have to go, a di- we don't have to do a deep dive, but give me a little insight into how do you train? Um, you, you talked about Christian and the Norwegians being very science based, but 
what would you say is your training philosophy? Who's your coach? Um, how many hours a week do you do? Are you a high volume guy, low volume guy, high intensity guy, lots of sessions in a week, not so many sessions in a week? How many times do you swim? Like all that basic stuff. Yeah. So like this one, like actually like uh, three days ago, I did my first ever lactic testing in the pool. I was pretty excited about that. Um, but yeah, as as I've said, I think in a few podcasts, I'm not really a big fan on on like science and stuff. Like I feel like I'm definitely a lot more like feel feel feeling for me is more important um, than I guess science because you know like there might be a day where you know you're you're racing and all your data goes and then you're like freaking out because like oh no I've got no data in front of me like what am I meant to do and then you don't know what that feeling what you don't know what the you know what pushing what pushing feels like you know because you don't can't see numbers in front of you so I feel like you know I, I really like knowing what that feels like so like I'm very a non-data person so like it's literally all I use is like a, a watch for pacing and watts I don't use heart rate I don't do anything I think when I train hard and I um, race hard I kind of know when I'm going to blow up because it kind of hurts. And I think you don't need your heart rate to tell you that. Um, and I, at the end of the day, short course is the sort of racing where you have to go with the race and you just got to hold on for dear life. And I don't think heart rate's going to help you with that. Like, obviously, you're going with the race, so it's going to hurt and you're going to probably blow up at some point, but you just hope you can hold on for as long as you can. Um, but the training side, like, I'm kind of like, I'm not a super high volume guy. so like in a, every blue moon i'd like peak out at 30 hours but most of my weeks are 25 hours um i'm quite i'm very lucky where my body can um sustain decent volume on the run so i think my run volume is probably higher than most people um, i'm more than happy to bang out like you know um 100k weeks that's fine with me um my swimming is pretty like it's probably that's probably my most um i guess hours spent i guess you know swimming six times a week because i have to because i'm just not good enough um to the front group and then biking's kind of just like more or less like i might do a long ride here or there you know three four hours maybe uh, nothing like five or six um bug of that um my sessions aren't too long my maximum my efforts would be you know maximum 40 minutes an hour and that's the whole session done um, same with the running like we don't have to do big running volume we do like a Tuesday uh, Tuesday track sessions and Saturday run sessions and that's all we do um, and then the bike maybe one session a week and then the rest is kind of just like get on the bike and um, at the moment that's what it is just like have one kind of bike session and then the rest is just kind of junk mileage and then the swimming is a bit more niche um, so my body works a lot better not doing like hard session after hard session after hard session so i might do like two uh two hard sessions a week in the swim and then everything else is just maintenance so yeah it's like six sessions six swims a week i don't know it could be anything between 20 to 25k um a week and then the cycling yeah that differs i can't really say how much there like it's not it's not a lot um oh, between like 250 to, to 300k um maybe a week so not a lot and then the running yeah between anything between 80 to to 100 is is normally what i run and 
yeah, my body works extremely well off that um, mileage. That's like 25 hours, mostly on average a week. Um, nothing special, no special hot sauce. Um, it's just consistency, I think. Um, I've always, like, I haven't had a touch wood, have, I haven't had an injury for six, seven years. And I think that's what's led to my, I guess the success has just been like continuously just, um, just chopping wood and just always, yeah, um, turning up to the sessions and not, not doing it not overdoing it, not doing, you know, superhero sessions and that consistency just like stacks on top of each other and it stacks and stacks and stacks. And then you just become year after year, become fitter and you become faster. And I think that's the, how I've become so successful. And it's the same with my training partner, Sam Tanner, you know, we joined my coach, Craig Kirkwood, um, who's Tauranga base, been together for seven years. Same with Sam. He's a, you know, he's an Olympian. Uh, he's a miler, one of the best milers and, 1500 meter runners and he's the same like we started around the same we came from nothing um and you know he's never really ever been injured but he's just being like super content like super consistent and just stacking stacking the wood and um you know we race race and train together and you know we always go by the program we never overdo it and we never want to like you know uh, slap it out and and you know size each other up and it's always just gentlemen with the suits on doing doing business and then race day we just let the hair down and go for it so that's uh, a good environment and it's uh, it's an enjoyable environment but also 25 hours 23 hours is a, is a nice kind of period where i get to go out and go fishing or go and do stuff or you know just do stuff outside of the sport i think is super important to to have that time out of the sport because i feel like you just get way too invested and it's just like it just eats you up as well so I feel like having some time just to chill out and um, do other stuff outside of the sport and just have a mental reset uh, is, is super important as well probably the most uh, surprising part of what you just said is that you only do one bike session a week but we we've all seen how strong you ride is it like that year round and and what kind of session are you doing in your week yeah, so like literally, if I go and look, I'll look at training peaks now. I literally got um, a ride, and the 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 session says two hour ride every climb. Give it some oomph. So the definition of oomph means just like I don't know, bike up the hill very fast, um, and that's literally the session. There's no power gauge. There's no nothing. It's just like good bit of power, um, bit of oomph happy days um and that's kind of what it's what it's like at the start like you know the early season parts it's, it's quite funny i always have a good when i see that session um but then like yeah everything else is like when i get into season it's a little bit more race specific so having one session um or as if i've had a big run week um i might just have have two sessions and have an easy week of running and do two sessions on the uh on the bike so that might be like a, a good standard Craig set would be like a um, six by eight minutes, um, especially in Andorra would be like six by eight minutes hill climbs um, and pushing like threshold power. So anything above 360 um, and that's kind of pretty good for me. Uh, and then another session might be like some, some sprint work as well. So like, like there's nothing super, special um sometimes there's like i might do a session where i might do i think tomorrow um is the only session i have this week 
I think it's like uh, three by 10 minutes um, at like 300 watts. So just like real basic mileage, nothing too hot, nothing too heavy. And then we kind of just build those numbers up throughout the year. So I guess that would change a little bit when I head into kind of more PCR racing, but at the moment it's, it's quite nice. And um, yeah, you don't, I don't, we don't suffer too much because we, I guess we get those gains off the, the swimming and the, and the running as well. And just keeping that bike maintained as we know, I'm, I guess I'm strong enough of a rider in the short course, but obviously when I head to, to, to the longer course, that kind of sessions might have to change. And how long is your long run most weeks? And, and does it build ever, or is it sort of just consistently the same every week? Yeah, like a lot of, I guess a lot of athletes do like a build run, like a build long run where I just kind of go out the door and run like an hour 45 or something like that. Um, yeah, 25 to 28K um, and just go out and just feel comfortable running. There's normally never a session attached to it. It's just get out there with the boys and talk some crap and, and yeah, just go out for a run. Um, and that's, yeah, like when I started three weeks ago, I was at like an hour and then 90 minutes and then an hour 45. And then, yeah, you might peak at two hours, but then you'll go back down to, to an hour 45. Um, but that's pretty, that's mainly about it really. Uh, just nice cruisy sessions and just mileage in the legs and nothing fancy. And with your run sessions, uh, how hard are they? Like you, you said that you're someone who can, do a lot of run mileage, but are you also someone who can tolerate very fast training um, with your running? Yeah. So I think it's like another thing as well. Like, as I said, like we don't do any like world record sessions or breaking sessions. We just like keep it super consistent. So like an example, I did um, a session with the boys on the track, which was like, uh, I think, what was it? Um, It was actually five laps, four laps, three laps, two laps, one lap. So descending in pace. So we did like uh, 70s for the five laps and then 68s for four laps, um, 66 for three laps, um, 64s for um, two laps and then um, a 60 for the last lap. So like for a, for a, you know, a guy that runs 13, 38 um, for 5,000 meters, you know, that's not really a, 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 a oomphy session. Uh, um, and then... Like sometimes on like a Saturday session, we normally just do like one k reps, or so that might be eight by one k, or um, to like four by two k, for example. So like we're not doing, as I said, but it's just that like absolute consistency and just turning up every day and and making it consistent and not overdoing it, and day by day just like stack those blocks and and you just get fitter because like feel like if you run way too hard and you're way outside your boundaries that's when injuries come like you know if you do a two-hour run and it's a build run you're like super fatigued after and you just feel like you're broken where i think those those times uh those long runs are, are good times for recovery and, and kind of chilling out just want to hit you with a couple of quick fire questions to end the podcast mate don't have them written down or anything just just want to whatever comes to my head i'll ask and and then we'll wrap it up Fantastic. Before we uh, record this podcast, Hayden was uh, singing songs to me with his shirt off on the webcam. Uh, not Still actually got my shirt that. off. Still got his shirt off, exactly. Uh, <laughs> don't look as good as Fred Funk. You look good, mate, for sure, but you, you know Fred Funk. Yeah, he's a stripper, ain't he? Oh, he looks good too. He, sometimes he on the webcam he takes more than just his shirt off. And even I gotta, I've got to admit, mate, it's, I understand why he's in the career he's on the side of triathlon. Good looking man all around. Do <laughs> you know what? The old um, what's it called? Is it? Oh, yeah, the old the only fans must go hard for him, hey. 
Yep, uh, Magic Fred XX uh, is the yeah, only fans the if you one. want to check it out. Uh, it's pretty expensive, <laughs> especially for the premium package, um, which I do get for free over Instagram message. But um, for, for everyone else, it's pretty expensive. Um, not sure what club he strips at. Uh, it's a German one or an Austrian one. I can't remember the name of it. But, they get um, pretty weird, don't they? Yeah, 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 for sure. I know. Well, <laughs> he does. I don't know about the rest of the Germans, but he definitely does. How good would it be if he was on one of those? Have you seen, like, I saw it on, like, a reel where it's, like, a German train and it's actually a nightclub. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it, no. Oh, it's it's filthy. It's like you walk into this train and it's just, like, it's just a standard train and then you, like, go into, like, the middle sector and it's, like, you just walk in, it's, like, dark and red lights and it's just, just <laughs> looks grim. I feel like Fred would just be in the middle on the pole just ripping it. I've actually never met Fred, so... Seems like a nice dude. <laughs> Just roughing in for him and don't even know the guy. Savage. He definitely would have been on one of the German sex trains for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, what is your favourite song to train to at the moment? Um, I'm actually, I think I, um, miss, I think I showed you the playlist. I think it's called um, All Out Eighties. It's actually got a it's got some absolute bangers in there eh, currently. So just eighties music. Can you sing your favorite one to me? Um, your love. It's by the outfit, the outfield, the outfield. Chuck it in, rip it. Oh yeah, great song. <laughs> oh, tell you what, you gonna give us a bar? I'll give you a bar. What else? I just wanna lose your love tonight. It's coming. I don't want to lose your love tonight. <laughs> there we go. That's, That's so fantastic, good. isn't it? Hey, you just put the music in the background and happy days. Yeah, I can picture you singing on like the, the trainer while you ride for sure. Oh, I'll, I'll send you the video next time. <laughs> it's actually great. And then you get like, oh, oh there's just some bangers in that playlist. Eh? I tell you what, some <laughs> queen comes on and Oh, you just get you get really frazzled, I can tell you that. <laughs> and you realize the whole neighborhood's listening. All out eighties uh on Spotify. <laughs> oh, it's got ten million people who have saved it. It's also got um MJ. MJ's the the, the cover. Yep, yep, Billy Billy Jean. The biggest songs of of nineteen eighties cover Michael Jackson. There you go. Billy Jean's start off. Fast car, Tracy Chapman. I wanna dance with somebody, summer of sixty nine. Heaven is a place on earth. Oh, oh we didn't start the fire by Billy Joel is a good trainer song. <laughs> we didn't start uh, the fire. I, I, just, I just love some of those choruses when you start banging and the watts start going up accidentally and it's just a great time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> There's some great songs. This is a good playlist. Uptown Girl, oh, yeah. Billy Joel. What a song. <laughs> Greatest triathlete of all time. Um, depends. Are we like all time, or we can I categorize it into short course, long course? You do whatever you feel best, mate. Okay, I'm gonna go Alistair um, as short course because he's got two Olympic gold medals and he's a bit of a savage. And then um, Yarn for long course because Yarn's Miss Yarn and he kicks ass in long course. I was kind of sad because I never got to race the guys. I think that would have been pretty, pretty cool. But this one time we 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 swam in the pool together. Yep. Did you decide to race him in the pool then? Oh, no way. No chance. He yeah, kicked my ass. God. 
because I was talking to his um, his swim coach, old uh, JR, when I was in Noosa. And then he tells me, yeah, the famous JR. And then he tells me he's like, um, he was an ex-swimmer. And I was like, oh, I kind of feel better about myself when I swim beside him now because, like, no wonder he was ripping me to shreds. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Even even now, like 40, uh, 40, yeah, 40. He's just a just a big German, isn't he? He just grabs a lot of water and he's, you know, got a good kick on him. Nice and looks long. Looks good too. Oh, yeah, looks, looks so great. good in the water. Yeah, geez, he looks good. Yeah. Um, do you think he's better than Daniela Reef? Is he is he above Daniela Reef for you on the greatest of all time list? Um, I guess, like, if you're, yeah, like, I don't know, like, Daniela's, like, just next level. Like, if I... Okay, I'm going to categorize it in like can I, I'm going to categorize in like four, four sectors. Um, so ah uh, no, because then I just feel like kind of the gender equality isn't there. But I feel like if I'm going all out, I would say like Daniela Reef is probably like one of the greatest of all time because she was like a really decent short course athlete, but she's won what five Ironman World Championships, like five Kona's. Yep, five seventy point three worlds as well, ten time yeah, world champion. Yeah, that's out the gate. Like, how good's that? Yeah, uh, she's a beast. Like Har- Harvey's one. Har- Harvey Gomez is is my fan favorite. Um, just because we are living in Tauranga together, he's just down the road, and we do our we kind of are doing some duets together. We do our long runs. Um, we're about to start doing our long runs together, and he's just like. I know I'd definitely fanboy over Harvey because he's just a good guy. And um, his, his dad, his dad's over here currently. He's a good lad, good man. Have you been doing your long runs right now with Javier Gomez? Yeah, we've done a couple of long runs together, uh, but he'll be, he'll be joining our long run squad on Sundays, hopefully, because he's having a yard with Dan and hopefully we can link up together. Like, um, I was just like, cause I went to his one-year-old's birthday party a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he's because I know um, I know his his wife quite well before they got married, uh, and he's just oh, just the family is just just a lovely bunch of people. Like um, he was just like, but this is the message, you know. We just we kind of have the answer again. It's like, oh, okay, thanks, mate, because we're just telling we're like, happy new year, can't wait, um, can't wait to do it all again next year, blah 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 blah. And then he's and then I just told him like, oh, perfect. Um, come to the gym because we're going to do gym together as well. I was like, you know, we'll do gym Fridays together or whatever. I do like long rides on Fridays and then might get the TT bike out with you and see if I can hold on. And we do our Sunday long runs together and and do our, do our sessions on Saturday. He's like, Oh, thanks mate. On Fridays, here's like the long runs, which I felt was extremely strange, but he's got to talk with Dan and see if he can move things around so he can do our long runs together and all that sort of stuff. So it's going to be, it's going to be good fun having old Javier and the, uh, and the team, which would be cool. Amazing. I also hear that Javier and his family are great people. Um, I'm also hearing maybe that Javier Gomez might be uh, in the same discussions that you are with the PTO. Can you, you – you definitely know. You guys would definitely be having those conversations. Can you confirm or deny, though, on, on the podcast? I actually, we actually haven't talked about much PTO, but we actually had a run on Potavidra for World Champs, and he took me on his local loop. Uh, since he's the king of Potavidra. And um, it was funny, we just having chats about long course and stuff. He was like, man, like just in like a, a decent Spanish voice, which I can't replicate. Um, Have a go. Nah, nah, I can't. He's got a nice Spanish voice. <laughs> I, just, I just feel like I'll just absolutely murder it and disrespect the guy. But anywho, um, he's like, oh, like, 
you know, but he's got kind of Kiwi slang as well. So it works well. Um, but he was like, you know, I really actually hate long, like Ironman distance training, but I feel like I have the pressure to race and do well in Kona. And then he said, once he does well in Kona, he said it'll probably just be his last time, <laughs> but he said he really wants to focus on like trying getting onto the PTO circuit. And cause I feel like he would be, I think his niche is that, that middle distance too. Um, I, I feel like we're very similar in how we used, like how we used to race, except he was just like a way better swimmer than I was, but I feel like we we're both pretty aggressive on the bike on the run. Um, if I was just a better swimmer, I feel like we would be very similar than how we raced when we were, when he was in short course as well. Um, but yeah, um, I, I think it'd be exciting. Like he's, he's fit, he's healthy and it's good to see him back kind of, you know, um, digging well. And I think he's, I think he's doing Tasmania, um, 70.3. So you might see him. Really? Wow. Mm. Yeah. Long season for him. Cause I, yeah, I've definitely heard, uh, from multiple people now, lots of people that we could see Javier racing PTO races next year, which I'm with you. That, that to me is his distance. I know a lot of people yeah. want him to go and do well at Kona, but I think that'll be bloody tricky. Like Sam Laid though and Magnus Ditliff. Yeah, I, I think, he, yeah, like he, he wants to do Kona because he feels the pressure and need to do it, but I don't think his heart's in that long stuff. I think like he also actually, like he actually likes his family, so he actually doesn't need to do <laughs> Ironman training. <laughs> yeah, oh, relatable. Uh, I just think that Ironman distance, mate, like those guys at the top now, they're so good. Like Sam Laidlow and Magnus Ditlev and and they're so good. Gustav 2022. Uh, Yeah, like I'm actually a bit scared to race when I see Magnus like just just smile and go past me at like 450 watts. Like just does not seem, just does not, I don't know, this doesn't, this is not right. I know, but then, you, like, I I think that about Magnus as well. And, like, we all look at Magnus and go, well, he's he's probably the best cyclist in the sport. Um, you know, we, we, we know about his FTP tests and what he did. But Sam Laidlow put four minutes into him at the Ironman World Championships on the bike this year, which that's, like, that's it's scary. True. It's scary, mm. mate, how well Sam Niche Laidlow. Niche courses, I, baby. Niche course. Yeah. Do you, so do you think at Kona, do you think Sam Laidlow won't ride as fast as Magnus? Uh, I think he will. I think he will 100%. Like, I think Sam, like, aerodynamically is just sound. Um, he can hold a good getting you know, top-end power. And Magnus is just, like, also the same, but he's just, like, seven foot. And, yeah, like, of course, he has to push more power to to stay within Sam because he's a bigger unit. But, you know, his, his aero position for being a big rig um, big rig meaning tall. Um, you know, he's he's the best for sure. Even like I think with pro tour cyclists, you know, like a lot of seven foot cyclists that just don't that push like him, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Which one of them would you be most scared to race over the full distance? Sam Laidlow or Magnus Ditliff? Um well, it's probably probably Sam, just because like, you know, his running's getting a little bit better and he can obviously he he'll come out of the water with myself and you know i'll have to hold on to him on the bike so or at least keep some sort of distance so i can try and run up to him but um yeah sam would be definitely like you'd be one to like go like oh look out for that fella he's he's moving and like is there anyone who scares you when it comes to racing like is there any athlete 
in, in long course or short course that you're like, I'm actually a little bit scared that I can't beat them? Myself, because I'm a pretty scary guy. <laughs> when you look at nah. yourself in the mirror? I look at myself and I'm like, you know what? I'm a pretty scary guy. Like, I want to want to mess with that guy. <laughs> nah. Um, no. hmm, I don't know. Um, I always look at, like, you know, like, I feel like, like a like a Vince like prime time Vince um, Vincent it was just like you just uh, what like prime time Vince you just you just have no clue how to beat the guy like he was just like an Olympic like he could just he could do if he wanted to he could just go and like race the Olympics for swimming if he wanted to because he's that good and then like when he's when he's motivated he would just ride and he would ride extremely well but then he'd just be like such a great runner like. It was just like primetime Vince was like primetime Tiger Woods. Like, you ain't beating that guy at all. Like, it's impossible. Like, this is not going to happen. Like, he just deny you. Like, if if you're uh, anywhere near him in the last K, like, he's just going to outkick you and just make you look like you're an absolute child. It's just, it was just scary thoughts. Scarier than 2012 Alistair Brownlee? 100%. Well, I never, uh... no, well, I never, I never raced Alistair, so I can't really comment on that. But like, I just, like, I don't know, like if the Olympics wasn't, if the Olympics was not postponed, 100%, there was no word of a doubt that Vincent was going to just absolutely just decimate everyone. Like there was just no question question about it. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought he was the favorite going into 2020 as well. And I reckon, I reckon yeah, COVID hurt him more than it did anyone else, like in triathlon almost. Maybe Jan Fredino. Jan probably could have won five Konas, but yeah, yeah I'm with you on that. Um, hey, that's a good place to wrap it up. We've we've covered a lot. Uh, we could probably talk for another ninety minutes, but let's wrap it up here. Thanks for coming on. We've uh, how many times do you think have we tried to plan doing a podcast together <laughs> in the last four months? Oh uh, well, because like we've always tried to get Hamish on as well, but Hamish is currently playing finals cricket, so he's doing himself a good job there. But it was just like if like if I was if I was ready, and then Hamish was ready, you weren't ready. But then if you were ready and I was ready, Hamish wasn't ready. And if you two were ready, I just wasn't there. And it was just a shambles. Like the it would if you'd look at our group chat, it was just it was just diabolical. <laughs> like it was just it was not pleasant to look at. Oh. It was just like you just have like you just go and like yarn. So that's a podcast with HW and HW and it's just oh, it just goes on and on, doesn't it? <laughs> that that, uh, oh, that got it. group is boys. Got to get the pot on, boys. Got to get the pot on. <laughs> boys, I'm ready. No, sorry, I'm not ready. Oh, I was just <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> oh, there was about two months there where you and Hamish would always be ready to do it. And, like, I am i don't do a lot apart from talk about triathlon. Like, it really is all I do. But there, just for whatever reason, every time you boys were ready for about eight weeks straight, I couldn't do it. I reckon there was, like, 15 times. And then for the next two months, me and Hamish have just been great and you haven't. I reckon we yeah, probably I've planned 40 – I reckon we planned 40 podcasts and like we probably had 39 planned before this and we've missed all of them. And this is the first one we finally got. Well, I had to win you, I, I had to win you 200 bucks today, but I, I get when I, I messaged you and I gave you the cheeky saying, Oh, I've got some oh, bad news, that. mate. And then I guarantee you, you're, you just, you're, you, your heart dropped. And then I was oh, like, and then I just came back and just said, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing the pot. I'm just <laughs> hey, you so won, used 200 to bucks. It. You mean, you mean double or nothing with you, mate. 
No, that just means I didn't lose anything because I bet a hundred oh, right. bucks that you would actually show up for this one because we had this planned for earlier in the week, so last week. Oh, damn it, and then you bailed on me with you bailed on me with five minutes to go. So I'm because I was like, no, no, I've got I've got faith in Hayden. I'm gonna I'm like he'll come and, like, and my mate my <laughs> mate who's I've, I would like tell him every time like yep Hayden bowed again or yep Hamish bowed again or yeah I couldn't make it and he's like there's no way this podcast is happening and I'm like they will I've got like me and me and Hayden we're solid we're gonna show up and he goes hundred bucks says it doesn't happen and then five minutes like ten minutes to go before the podcast hadn't heard from him I'm like yes this has happened I'm winning hundred bucks five minutes to go hey mate sorry can't make it. My missus is sick. I've got I've got to go do the oh, here we go again. Tell you what, hey, she had COVID. I couldn't touch I couldn't get into that household. It was disgusting. <laughs> but I think yeah, the worst yeah. part is I think what we'll what we'll finish off with is I think the worst part was when we were both in Melbourne and I and we were gonna get a coffee date and then you like piped up and you're like all keen, ready to go, and it was like the day off, and you're like, Oh, oh, just just realized that like it's a 45 minute drive, and it was like, mate. You live in Melbourne, sure you knew it was going to be a drive. Yeah, I just thought I didn't realize how far away from me you were staying. Like that you was live just, in I'm Melbourne, like, you should know. I was like, I know, but to pay. I didn't know that's where you were going to be. That was my bad because I was so <laughs> excited for that because we've been doing podcasts yeah. together all year, obviously, and we've like we talked probably there was a stage where for probably like six months we talked every day. Uh, and yeah. so you're finally coming to Melbourne. I was like, I was so excited. I remember we were talking for weeks in advance about like what we were going to do and. Then I didn't even see you. Uh, so that was yeah. actually a massive letdown. And now you're not coming to Hobart. Yes. So we didn't meet you and you still don't have a, uh, a laptop because I still can't see your face because all I still see is the triathlon hour. So maybe one day. <laughs> one day. We're, well, PTO race for sure this year. This is um, true. Yeah, sure. I'll, sure. I'll probably be at all of them. We'll probably see you in, in one in late August, I would say. Maybe, yeah, why maybe not? early September, Ibiza. Um, or maybe we'll we, we'll uh, run into each other on a German uh, sex train. Yes, how good would that be? Just what? Yeah, just not... sitting on the seats, throwing money at Fred Funk, getting <laughs> funky. <laughs> oh, Imagine shit. it. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, trust me, not not that. Looks good, Fred. Yeah. Um, no, all right, it all right. Good. We're not going back not into this. <laughs> I just, I cannot get this mental image out of my head where it's like that dark train carriage and there's like red oh, and look purple it up. and green lights. Just look, just look it up. Just go, I don't know what, I guess it'd be German, like German club train. And then it was, yeah, it would turn up. It's great. And, and I'm just picturing there's like a strobe light. So it's like those strobe lights where like you can just see every second, like every, like it's like goes Brickson. light, dark, light, dark. And I'm just picturing Fred like dancing on a strip pole, like purple, purple tight G-string with like some money shoved down it that you've put down it and then just the strobe light. So like every just like a second, he, like you can see him, then you can't see him, you can see him, you can't see him. And he's just doing like these crazy <laughs> dance moves in his purple G-string on the German sex train. I can't get that out of my head. It gets you going, doesn't it? Not really, uh, but good to not get you going. All right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> let's wrap it up there uh good to finally talk to you again you too uh, boy and we'll uh we'll get we'll get hammer back on and uh, we'll have a chat yeah so are we going to do some more podcasts this year we're gonna we're gonna follow your your journey i'd be rude not to because i've been given strict instructions that i must get um i must get comfortable with being bored so i have to fill my time up with something all right we'll do a we'll do a road to the paris olympic series every fortnight we'll get you on to uh Follow up with your training, and then uh, when you figure out uh, about seventy point three worlds after that, we'll do a little road to uh, seventy point three world championships. Lock it in. 
So it sounds good, champion. Good to hear from you. Good to talk to you. See you, bud. We- <laughs> See you, mate. Bye. Fantastic. See you, champ. For about two years, I had this foot injury that was really killing my run training. I'd do this same pattern where I'd run for two to three weeks, sometimes four weeks, and then my foot niggle would come back and I'd have to take two, three, four weeks off and then I'd go, okay, it's good now. And I'd get back into my running and I'd do the same thing. I'd run for, you know, two, three, four weeks um, and then it would pop up again. And this cycle just kept repeating itself. And sometimes I would take two weeks off. Sometimes I would take as much as like eight to 12 weeks off. And I just was never getting anywhere. Like my running was just never getting any better. Uh, Like I really didn't progress at all for about two years. In fact, I I went backwards quite a lot. Um, And then like about four to five months ago, I was at this point where I'm like, I, I was seriously just considering like maybe I just won't ever be able to run again. Um, but then in the lead up to the US Open, the PTO US Open, I saw Jan Fredino using a lever, lever running system. Um, and then a friend of mine, Hannah Wells, who's also a professional triathlete, I saw her using one a lot and talked to her and she told me about how she was using it for almost all of her running. And now she's back running as, as good as she ever has. And saw Laura Phillip using one and Braden Curry, Curry using one. I was like, I'm just going to try one of these. So yeah, I, I decided to buy myself a lever running system and I started using it for pretty much all of my runs. Um, in fact, for about the first four to five weeks, it was all of my runs. And um, for those of you who don't know what a lever running system is, it's a system that you put onto a treadmill and then you connect uh, it to like your hips um, using a special special pair of run shorts uh, and it just takes weight off while you run. So my body weight is about 85 kilograms and at the start, I was taking like 12 to 14 kilograms off. So my body weight when I was running was like 73 to 71 kilograms. Um, and so, yeah, I was just using it at my local gym where I use the treadmills. And basically what it, what it does is because of that reduction in body weight, it reduces the load through your tendons, joints, bones, um, et cetera, so that you can do more running when you're coming back from injury or even if you're completely injury free. Um, it's just a way to increase the volume and frequency of your running uh, week to week so that you prevent getting injured. Um, Because running is just such a risky part of triathlon um, and training in general. And it really did change my run training when I started to use one. Uh, I think I've done, oh God, I reckon I've done like 20 weeks of running now where I've been able to run. And um, what I've been doing now is slowly reducing the amount of time I spend using my lever system um, and reducing the weight uh, I'm taking off while I use it. So now I'm only doing like one, maybe two runs in it per week. um, And I take off about six to seven kilograms every time I do it. And I do plan to use it at least once or twice a week for 2024 for the whole year as I really think it's such a safe way to make sure um, you can do some extra running and not get injured. And I've just found that the more consistent I can be and the less injured I am and and the less breaks I have to take, then the better and better I run. Uh, Because like, yeah, for those two years, I just found out that nothing wrecks uh, my running like having to take those two, six, eight, 12 weeks off and you just you just like find no consistency all because of a stupid frustrating little niggle um, because you really want to get out there and run um and so yeah like after about two months of using it i was just absolutely loving it like i i couldn't believe how much it had changed my running it was the most pain-free i'd ever run i was running more consistently and more frequently week week after week and i reached out to lever um to lever movement to see if they'd be interesting in partnering with the podcast in 2024 just because i loved the product so much i was like i just want to tell people about this so It'd be awesome if they um, partnered with the podcast. Like they didn't give me the the lever running system. I went and bought one all, uh, for myself. Um, so it's not like they gave me it and I was promoting it because of that. It's like this is a product I'm using. I'm loving it and I just want to promote it. Um, and they came back and said, yeah, they'd love to partner with the podcast. So they're jumping on to support the podcast in 2024, which I'm really excited about. Um, and if you can relate to 
why I started using my lever um, running system or why I'm going to keep using it every week in 2024 and would like to get one for yourself, then you can head to levermovement.com. Um, and I've got a discount code that you can use. It's just TTH, uh, which gets you a massive 20% off your um, anything from the website. So yeah, that, that really does take a bit of price off it, um, which is great. Um, so it does support the show as well. But more importantly, Lever is just a product I know could help so many people because I bought one myself and you know, I just know how much I've bloody loved it and how much I'm going to um, keep using it in 2024 and probably even further on than that. And yeah, since I've got it, I've spoken to even more professional triathletes who I didn't, I had no idea used it because they weren't sponsored by them or anything. They were just using it um, of their own accord like me and they've said the same thing as me that they don't have to be injured to use it. They just use it on top of their running, um, their additional, like it's just like a little additional on top of their run training so that they can increase their volume and um, their mileage and do it in a way where they don't have to risk getting injured, which, yeah, that consistency leads to their running getting um, better and better. So, yep, if you can relate and, and you want to try, want to use it for yourself, levermovement.com and use the discount code TTH.